millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Great to be back in and great to be talking some more of the sweet science as we get ready for a light heavyweight unification title fight on a Friday night. Yes, ESPN staying away from college football on Saturday and electing to go with Friday night fights like they used to do all the time. So it is a Friday night light heavyweight title showdown for the WBC and IBF belts. And we're going to talk a lot about the matchup that is upcoming uh, here between uh, not only Artur Beterbiev, but Alexander Gavazdik for these uh, unified belts, the IBF and WBC uh, light heavyweight championship belts. Philadelphia is where they will fight this fight on Friday evening. And in the city of brotherly love is where we will find Marquise Johns later in the weekend, the senior writer, the uh, purveyor of BigFightWeekend.com. And Marquise will be on the podcast here in a little bit to talk about making the trip uh, up to Philly from Florida. Bring your heavy coat, by the way, Marquise, for the weather forecast for that matchup. And by the way, Marquise and I are going to be joined by a special guest uh, from the Corner Guys Boxing Podcast. Tom Marriott will be here. We'll kind of do a three-way round robin on the news and the info. So that interview is coming a little bit later on here on the program. Also from a a couple of days ago, earlier this week, got the chance on the podcast to talk with the boxing writer, David Payne, over in England. Uh, Got the chance to see David Payne, hook up with him, meet him in person in England while I was in the UK for broadcasting duties with my NFL uh, team and NFL job, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers played the Carolina Panthers last weekend. So I had the opportunity to see David, talk with him, have a meal. We had a, some some good fun. You'll hear that uh, in our conversation. Then I want to talk with him about the debut last weekend of Alexander Usyk uh, and his fight uh, with Chaz Witherspoon, a last-minute replacement, a, ve- a veteran journeyman, American heavyweight, and how does Usyk fit into the heavyweight picture? You'll hear David and I's conversation on that. Tyson Fury taking up pro wrestling. Uh, We're also going to be uh, discussing the huge fight card that is going to take place in England in a couple of weeks where Regis Prograce and Josh Taylor are the main event for the junior welterweight unification title fight. That's the championship of the World Boxing Super Series uh, that will be taking place. And Derek Chisora, English heavyweight uh, contender, also on the co-main event with a new opponent. David will have insight on all of these things. I want to say up front, we did that interview uh, prior to the awful news that junior middleweight Patrick Day from New York has succumbed to brain injury last Saturday night in his knockout loss and the undercard fight of the Usyk Witherspoon uh, main event fight on DAZN in suburban Chicago last Saturday. Day was knocked unconscious, knocked out in the 10th round, never regained consciousness, had brain surgery on Saturday, and passed away on Wednesday. 
So that was before David and I uh, were talking earlier in the week that that word was official. That's the reason why in the broadcasting world, uh, he and I at that point elected to stay away from the ins and outs of that situation because the the fluidity of that situation. We didn't know would he recover, would he not recover. So for the purpose of our conversation when we had to have it, we didn't know what that situation was. So you won't hear David and I uh, talking about that. Nor did we know the Wednesday night breaking news that Unified World Welterweight Champion Errol Spence has been released from a Dallas hospital after his one-car accident last week, seven days ago uh, now, as we come your way on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Spence rolling his Ferrari in Dallas at a high rate of speed in the middle of the night early Thursday morning last Thursday morning amazingly having seen surveillance video from the business where the car accident happened right in front of the fact that Errol Spence was not seriously injured or even killed in that accident is incredible the fact that you find out he was thrown from the vehicle not seat belted in and did not suffer serious injury is amazing So it appears that it is only cuts and bruises, potentially uh, a fractured jaw is one one of the reports from the Dallas media that Spence may have suffered a fractured jaw uh, in this. Uh, But the Dallas police have also now charged him with a Class B uh, misdemeanor of driving under the influence of alcohol. We'll talk about this more with Marquise and with Tom Marriott in a little bit as that news came out on Wednesday night. Essentially, the Dallas police aren't going for heavier charges for two reasons. Number one, Spence uh, did not cause property damage, bodily harm to anyone else other than himself. The basic damage is only to his vehicle, not to any other vehicle or the business where he catapulted across a median and ended up in the parking lot of the business. Much less was there anyone in the car with him or anyone else that he hit, thank God, because they could have been seriously injured or killed the same way. So the Texas uh, law and the Dallas police enforcing it in uh, in Dallas County are saying that they're not going to charge him with anything more than Class B driving while intoxicated. And so it does still contain a fine and a possible jail sentence uh, for Spence, but that's highly unlikely with the charges. And we've yet to hear from him, other than the Premier Boxing Champion statement. There's been no statement from uh, Spence about that night, much less a public appearance or him saying anything. And again, if he has a broken jaw, you can understand why he's not physically in front of cameras and microphones speaking. At some point, we do hope to hear from him and get a further update on his condition. Obviously, his safety, Errol Spence, is, is much more important. Um, in this overall situation. And then comes the secondary part, his boxing career. How does it affect his potential fights, plural, down the road in 2020, including the proposed fight that had not been officially signed and announced with Danny Garcia, the California welterweight contender who was slated to perhaps, most likely, uh, whatever way you want to put it, be the next opponent for Errol Spence in January. Is that on hold? You would have to speculate right now here in mid-October that it might very well be on hold. Then again, Spence may be well enough to train starting in November and say, hey, I, I'm good on eight weeks, nine weeks of training. I can I can train here in two or three months and or two or three weeks and, and get after it. We don't know. It's an unknown right now on when he's going to fight again. But anyway, uh, we'll talk more with, uh, with my guests later on in the podcast about the implications here for Errol Spence because also looming is a possible... 
a unification fight with Manny Pacquiao and a massive pay-per-view. Both of those fighters under the promotional uh, control of PBC and then the outlets with Fox and with Showtime. So let's see what ends up happening uh, here with Errol Spence and his future. Um, Okay, so there's much to discuss here on the podcast. We're going to get to our guest, David Payne, straight ahead. Marquise and Tom Marriott will be here. Joint conversation a little bit later on on the podcast. Again, the Better BF Gavadzik light heavyweight title fight. Uh, is the biggest fight for this weekend that's coming up that we will preview. We will tell you that Big Fight Weekend and the podcast brought to you in part by Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. Whether we're talking about this upcoming title fight on the campus of Temple University, the La Cora Center on uh, Temple's campus, that fight, any fight, anywhere in, in North America, Vegas, uh, bouts that, that take place in New York, Uh, and on and on, anywhere in between, get your tickets through Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. And we don't just restrict this to boxing. It's a big football time of the year, college football, the NFL. If you're looking looking for tickets for the prominent games, our promo code still works here off the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Use the promo code BIGFIGHT10. You'll take 10% off your initial order. First-time users of Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app take 10% off with the promo code BIGFIGHT10, and that's up to $50. You'll save up to $50 if you're a first-time user, 10% off. BIGFIGHT10 is the promo code. So again, use their service. I've used it. It is easy to sign up. It is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Your order is secure when you're buying your tickets on the secondary market. So wherever you're looking for tickets uh, for these upcoming fights, that Canelo-Kovalev fight, there are tickets on sale right now for Vegas for November 2nd. Get your seats at Vivid Seats and take 10% off with our promo code BIGFIGHT10. Okay, so we are ready to roll uh, in the uh, kind of the recap mode of last weekend, the preview mode for the light heavyweight unification fight this weekend, some Tyson Fury in the wrestling ring, and a lot more, including the awful situation with the death of New York junior middleweight boxer Patrick Day. Again, David Payne and I will not be talking about that in the first conversation. You'll hear Marquise and Tom Marriott and I talking about that uh, later on in the podcast. So here we go. We're ready to roll on Big Fight Weekend and the podcast. Let's go. Thoroughly enjoyed getting to be over in the UK for a lot of reasons in London this past weekend. My NFL football duties with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers took me over there for the game with the Carolina Panthers. Game did not work out so well for my NFL team that I'm loyal to, my employer. However, I had a blast being around our next guest. I've gotten to talk to him so frequently here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I love his work writing and talking with me. And then I got to go spend some time and have a meal with the David Payne. The boxing writer came and found me near downtown London, and we went out and had fun last weekend. Uh, it was great to see you in person. So this is this is neat. Now I'm back in North America. You're still you're still in England, and here we are back through technology talking. But it was great to meet up in person, David. Good to have you. Yeah, great to be here. Great to meet up with. Uh... The mahogany voice TJ Reeves uh, in person, yeah, and uh, introduce him to some English customs. So, yeah, all good, and uh, great to be on the show again. You are the only guy that has ever called me the mahogany voice. Now, what you would have loved is if you'd had a meal with much younger TJ in his 20s with this kind of voice when I looked like I was 12, and you would have just stared at me for an extra five (laughs) minutes going, what kind of sound is coming out of a teenager's mouth like that? Come on. Uh, But... 
that, you know, I, I joke with people all the time. I've talked like this since I was about 16 or 17 years old. It's hilarious. So um, it's just who I am. And thank God I have a face for radio, as you saw in person. <laughs> um, we, we really we had a good time at, at the pub kind of talking about all things, about families, a little boxing, a little different stuff. It was really a lot of fun. I hope I did not get you into trouble. Now, I'm going to reveal a little bit here that David's sister lives in the area where we were in Greenwich. And you hadn't seen your sister for a while, and she was giving you, as what we like to say in the United States, what for? She was giving you what for, that you were coming into Greenwich to have a meal with me, with TJ, but not find her. I hope I did not cause family strife over our meeting the other night. No, I managed, managed to survive that. As a proud Yorkshireman, I never liked buying one drink, let alone three. So I'm pleased it was just the two of us, TJ. It's, uh, <laughs> It, it kept things within my budget, so she'll understand in the long run. I love, uh, I love that. All right, so we had fun talking about all things, and now we have a lot more to talk about since this past weekend. Uh, obviously, the Alexander Usyk fight, the cruiserweight world champion, he moved up to heavyweight, and I understand. I get, I get the fact that he did not. Uh, welcome this situation where suddenly his opponent, uh, Tyrone Sprong, a former kickboxer and heavyweight fighter, was suddenly not available because of a discrepancy with his pre-fight drug test. So on several days' notice only, they had to find an opponent. They found the second cousin of former heavyweight champ from the 80s, Terrible Tim Witherspoon, and that's Chaz Witherspoon, a 38-year-old American who did not appear to be in great shape, a little blubbery, uh, didn't offer a whole lot. Usyk wins. Usyk's the story here because they're grooming him to maybe get a title shot somewhere down the road. All right, there's my say. David, what do you make coming off of uh, Usyk's uh, heavyweight debut this past weekend that resulted in a, in a mid-round TKO? Um, I think it was a perfectly acceptable exercise for his debut. We've come to expect great things from him. Lots of daring do. He's been willing to travel and fight other champions from the get-go. He's not waited around, padding his record. So we expect, so by that benchmark, Chaz Witherspoon doesn't quite match up. But I think by any other benchmark of a heavyweight debut, it was just about acceptable. And I actually thought Witherspoon perhaps... Performed a little better than expected. Um, I think Usyk was respectful, wanted to do some rounds, wanted to feel some weight on him, feels to be pushed around a little bit just to see how it felt. He wasn't going to go rushing in and trying to knock him out in the first or second round. That's not Usyk's game. He's aggressive, but he's also uh, respectful of opponents. Um, So I thought it was a good exercise. It's seven rounds and providing he's out fairly early in the new year, I think it'll be a good stepping stone. And I think... We might mock with a spoon, but I think it was probably more value than the, the proposed matchup with the ex-kickboxer Spong kind of character. Well, I must confess I've not seen fights, so I'm probably doing him a disservice. <laughs> but there seems something more authentic about him fighting with a spoon, at least at heavyweight, even if it is a distant nephew or cousin or some such. Uh, you did write about this on your own site on BoxingWriter.co.uk about Usyk. And the fascinating part here, and, and this is where a lot of people start to roll their eyes that aren't necessarily hardcore boxing fans, and maybe some of them are too when they start hearing these things, but this was his first fight at heavyweight, and the World Boxing Organization, the WBO, already has them as their num- has him as their number one contender uh, for a possible title shot. David, we understand the politics. We understand the money that's involved here, too. And money creates leverage and creates opportunity. There would be some money in a use in a Usyk uh, heavyweight title fight. 
But I think a lot of people would be dubious looking at this, saying he hasn't done anything really as a heavyweight to be a number one contender. What's your opinion about him not just being a contender, but being the top contender in one of the organizations right now? Uh, well, I think that's there's two sides to that. Um, on the technicality of the WBO making him number one contender, that's uh, one of the peculiar rules that they've uh, had for some time, that a champion from a junior division is automatically a uh, at least ranked, if not number one contender in the division above, should they choose to move up. I don't think this is a precedent that's been made for USIC. I can't think of an example, but there are other examples of this happening in the past. Um, however, even if there wasn't a rule, the sanctioning bodies have got a habit of making them and bending them and doing whatever's necessary to get the most money on the table for one of their belts. Um, USIC does bring a lot of uh, credibility and excitement from the division below. But of course, he's not a British fighter. He's not a American fighter. So there's a need to build a little bit of profile before all of all, all of the boxing community can uh, see his value and perhaps give him uh, the credit he deserves before he, he starts fighting the champions, who, of course, have still got business to conduct between themselves before we start adding Usyk to the, to the mix. But on the evidence of what I've seen at Cruiserweight and on the evidence of what I saw on Saturday, opposition notwithstanding, I think he will... Uh, I remain convinced that he's going to be a very exciting addition to to the ranks. I'm, I'm not convinced he'll be a unifying force as such or a dominant force, but he's certainly going to be a very tough opponent for all of the all of the champions. All right, so we're going to be very heavyweight theme talking with David Payne. Uh, here we'll get to the Derek Chisora fight that's coming in a couple of weeks. One English uh, heavyweight contender fighting another, uh, and get David's insight on this. There, there is a lot of noise being made. I put in quotes. There is a lot of buzz. Uh, right now about Tyson Fury and it doesn't have to do with boxing and it doesn't have to do with his potential rematch with Deontay Wilder I we didn't talk about this at dinner the other night I have no idea if you care even a smidge about professional wrestling I I do care some about this I cared much more when I was younger so I don't, I don't know what the deal do you have any interest in that whatsoever in the squared circle in the wrestling ring and any of that no no interest at all I can't tell I don't know uh okay um I think your comments about the, there's a greater interest among the young is probably as um, best the best summary available. Um, we all know what uh, WWE is. It's a form of entertainment. Um, and I think, from my point of view, I can understand why this is happening. I understand how this helps him to cross over to a different audience, introduces him to millions of other people, it's, it's cross-fertilization of the WWE brand into the boxing world and, and Tyson Fury's brand back into that world and hopefully will bump up interest in the fight with Wilder or whoever comes next and, and, and increases pay-per-view appeal, I guess. That's what it's all about. We all know that's what it's all about. And I think those who are clutching at their pearls and worrying about cuts <laughs> and, um, and just... and the fact he may be demeaning the uh, the title he claims to have, the linear title, etc., whatever. I think they just uh, need to take a chill pill and chill out a little bit and just <laughs> smile and and just recognise that all of this stuff, boxing, wrestling, we know the differences, um, but it is all an entertainment. It is all a sport. We are meant to smile. We are meant to enjoy our lives and 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 just revel in the silliness of it all. I guess in this instance and. Right. It just made me smile. We all know what it's all about, but it just made me smile, the whole thing. 
And hopefully, I know you have some reservations about the potential for him to uh, injure himself or, or, or open that cut again, which of yes. course is a real thing. But um, we would imagine that that's all been carefully covered in contracts and there'll be no deliberate attempts to uh, to, to injure him in any way. And uh, he'll come through unscathed and with his profile greatly increased. Okay, so there's a couple of different points about this. Again, if you're not completely familiar with what we're talking about, the very popular uh, Monday Night Raw program from from WWE that airs in the United States, he, he's been featured on this now a couple of times, including last Monday night. And Fury has apparently, David, agreed to wrestle in a match with a hulking bad guy uh, named Braun Strowman, <laughs> who's easily 350 pounds. Now, what's interesting, I wrote about this on the BigFightWeekend.com website. He's not the first heavyweight, former heavyweight champ, uh, current heavyweight champ, etc., to get into Vince McMahon's wrestling ring. But previously, when Buster Douglas did it and when Mike Tyson did it, they did it, David, as the referee, not actually wrestling, not actually throwing an opponent around or being thrown around. Fury has given interviews and has said that he has been training some with the WWE's trainers and and professional wrestlers at their facility in Orlando, Florida. And this looks and feels and smells like he's going to put tights on and actually wrestle (laughs) at the end of the month. So I'm intrigued by that. I mean, again, forget about the cut, the whatever, but this is not the guest referee. This is not just a promo spoof. He may actually try to mix it up a little bit and do some wrestling moves and throw and get thrown in this match. What is your, what's your thought and reaction to that? Well, wouldn't it be amazing? And isn't it Tyson Fury all over to just, to just break the rules and just put a big grin on his face and go and have a go. It's, it's crazy. He's, it's ill-advised you might say, but it's going to be a whole lot of fun, isn't it? Um, the, you, you mentioned the, the, the Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson, I think Joe Louis also was a right. wrestling referee for a time. Um, but it brings to my mind. It brings another heavyweight to mind, which of course is Balboa versus Thunderlips in Rocky <laughs> Three. I think I think we're more we're more in that world, and um, I think it's going it, to presumably it'll be a lot of fun for the wrestling fans and those boxing fans. Just just need to wait for Tuesday, and presume everything's okay, and smile along. And this is a big pay-per-view in Saudi Arabia, by the way, where they will have the Ruiz versus Joshua heavyweight title rematch in December. This pay-per-view will stream in Saudi Arabia, all over Europe, and in the United States at the end of the month. Um, so we'll see what happens with Fury, with the wrestling. Again, you mentioned Hulk Hogan as Thunderlips uh, in the Rocky movie. Hogan was involved in the match with Buster Douglas, where Douglas has on the striped shirt like a, almost like a basketball or football referee in the United States and ends up throwing the phantom big punch on the opponent, on uh, the macho man, Randy Savage. So that's almost 30 years ago that that happened right after. And that was two weeks, David, after, after Douglas had beaten Tyson. Uh, he showed up as the guest referee on a live wrestling event wow. uh, that was seen by millions in the United States, if not worldwide. So Fury again appears to be, and and one more on this, we don't know what the financial deal is here. The belief was that this was seven figures, something like a million, a couple of million. There's a report out of your British uh, media and tabloids that it may be as high as 15 million American dollars. I, I don't know that I buy that or believe that he's worth that much of Vince McMahon's money. But wow, if it is, now you understand why he's willing to take the risk, David, to get in a wrestling ring. Well, if that's true, I'm not um, 
as tuned into you as this on this wrestling stuff and what the kind of wages, how lucrative it is for the big stars to grace grace each ring. Um, that sounds to me uh, disproportionate, or yes, a lot much higher than previous visitors to the to the wrestling world have received. Um, and the fact it's come out of a British media does not necessarily make it true. But again, <laughs> selling how much he's getting paid is just another strand of the story, isn't it? It's just another way of keeping it in the news, keeping it fresh, keeping the story moving along, building interest. So um, whether it's true or not, it's kept it in the press, hasn't it? And I guess that's the aim. That's the ultimate objective for the for the Fury camp, for the Fury business, as the phrase goes over here. Okay, so that that's another heavyweight situation out of uh, out of the boxing ring and in the wrestling ring. Let's move on. You and I, I was actually staying uh, just outside of downtown London, right by the O2 Arena, the O2 as it's known, which is an amazing complex with shopping, dining, and the massive arena. And I joked with you when we went to dinner that I was like two weeks too early because we could have been uh, in and around on a Saturday night this upcoming uh, World Junior Welterweight Unifying Title Fight, the WBSS, the World Boxing Super Series finale, uh, with Regis Prograce of the United States uh, taking on uh, Josh Taylor of England uh, for two of the world title belts. That's the main event. The undercard has English heavyweight contender Derek Chisora on the card, and he now has an opponent. Uh, So that's an interesting fight card. I know we're still a couple of weeks away from that happening, but we were right there around the O2 Arena. I was a little bummed that we weren't weren't able to take in the fights maybe on Saturday night. But I know England is building up on this fight card uh, coming in a couple of weeks here. Yeah, it's um, it's a great show. Uh, I must correct you that Josh Taylor is, of course, Scottish. Scottish, very, forgive me. They will be they will be very upset at the uh, the notion that he's English or, or or throwing him in with the English. He's very much a Scot, the Tartan Terror or Tartan Tornado, I think is his name. <laughs> um, that's a great fight. We talk a lot on this show, uh, TJ. Have done over the last twelve months that the Big Fight Weekend podcast has been out there about wanting the best to fight the best and. Whilst there's been some problems along the way getting to this point, here we have a tournament that's left us with pretty much the one and two in the division facing off in some sort of final for pretty much all the belts that matter and certainly the status as the king of the division. And it's happening in a couple of weeks' time at the O2 that we were eating nearby only last week. Um, And it's a fantastic fight. Two fighters in their prime. I think uh, Progray is 30, if I'm not mistaken, and Taylor 28. So in the physical prime, top of the game, both unbeaten, it's going to be a sensational fight and very hard to pick a winner. I'm probably just edging for Taylor, but that might be my uh, domestic uh, bias, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, bleeding into to my opinion on it. But yes, you mentioned the Chisora fight. His, his new opponent or the opponent that's been found for him in the absence of Joseph Parker, um, who was bitten, of course, by a spider and called Parker. That was mm-hmm. remarkable there. Uh, Pond, available to all um, but no he's replaced by David Price a man I've spoken to before fantastic um, person great uh, well I want to say great fighter that's probably a stretch but uh, a very potent right hand David Price has got and unfortunately he's never quite put it all together in a heavyweight ring um, but he's got a fantastic opportunity against uh, Derek Chisora again perfect clash of styles the big tall rangy heavy handed former Olympian and the scrapping, bulldozing Chisora. It's a, it's a very tasty matchup. They've both got wins, both got losses against good people, and they put it all on the line, and the winner can go on, and the loser 
will have to regroup, but they're both in their mid thirties, so it really is a right. It is it is a is that kind of fight. There's a lot on it, and it's two very well known characters, so it's it's going to bring the crowd out. I think. I think I agree, and and Chisora's point when they were having the press conference and it went viral every which direction yeah. about him ripping the fact that he was not the main event is that people have gravitated more in the last few years to the heavyweights. Is uh, your opinion, is it realistic that Chisora can get in the mix for a title shot, particularly if he is spectacular in this fight? Or is that just wishful thinking by he and his camp right now that he's got to win maybe a couple of huge fights to get on the radar, in particular of Anthony Joshua, if everything works out in 2020 and and beyond? I don't think anything's impossible um, in the heavyweight division. We've seen that often enough. And there are what have we at the moment, two or three champions, depending on your definition of champion, who can't fight each other, and we certainly know that, every fight. So there will always be defences, there will always be uh, interim fights, if you like, before they're fighting each other. And the other thing that could occur is you could have a situation where Joshua loses again and needs to regroup and come back against a known opponent who's not going to cause him the kind of problems that Ruiz would. And Chisora may be the perfect foil for that kind of comeback. So, And that would still be a very lucrative fight. Um, so there are lots of possibilities for the winner in this fight. Um, in the same way that David Price at six foot nine with a massive right hand and some Olympic pedigree, he's had some knockout losses. Who's to say he couldn't be a stopgap opponent for somebody? It's entirely possible in the crazy heavyweight division with this crazy way that we try to organise things in the sport. Anything is possible. So I think there are, and they're both well connected with Matchroom. Um, so there is definitely potential for one of them to perhaps slightly undeservingly find themselves in a title title fight next year. It's It's not impossible. All right. We'll see. Particularly if he's, if he's spectacular with a big knockout. Of course. And he, and yeah. he may have to do that again against a bigger name fighter. Uh, and then the leverage is all there. But you got to get the first one. And that will come in a couple of uh, weeks uh, at the O2 Arena with that show, with that matchroom show. So we'll see how that goes. I think, we, I think we've covered just about everything from, uh, from our trip. And uh, by the way, that, you and I have not talked. That Tottenham Hotspur Stadium that they have built for the Spurs to play soccer in is an amazing facility and I, I gotta publicly brag you designed you were telling me you were designed you designed at least one of the rooms that was in that place it is, it is immaculate it is a palace David to have been in there for the NFL football game and I, and I know the Spurs are going to enjoy that home for their soccer or their football uh, that they play there so that that was neat to be part of and I'm bragging on you publicly that you were at least in some small part able to help in the reconstruction of that fantastic over a billion dollars for that stadium it was some facility it's an incredible place yes um, I, I didn't see it at its very conclusion but I saw it towards the end with only, it was only a few uh, weeks to go before it was finished it's an, it's an amazing facility and uh, hopefully my own team Nottingham Forest can be playing there in the not too distant future <laughs> should they be promoted uh, we're just popping back to the boxing for a second one last thing I don't know if you're getting this card over in the States that we're talking about in the two weeks time I don't know if that's uh, is that a DAZN card I believe DAZN does offer that uh, I know it's big on Sky and the pay-per-view on Sky Sports and I believe DAZN is going to offer the Progress Taylor and Chisora uh, co-main event fights so I believe that is the case yes Right. Okay. Well, as I often do in these instances, it's uh, there's a little, a, a nice little Brit, all British, but a nice little trade fight on the undercard, uh, like welter or 140 pounds, which will see the veteran Ricky Burns against 
Another guy approaching veteran status, Lee Selby, two former world title holders. Selby's been in with everybody, 36 years old, uh, but a fabulous fighter, fabulous athlete, and he's in against a very tricky and slippery Lee Selby. And that should be a very interesting fight to have on the undercard. So if you are tuning in, don't just wait for the last two main events. Try and catch the Ricky Burns-Lee Selby fight. I certainly will be. Burns has been a terrific servant to British boxing and deserves perhaps to go out on a high. Love that. And again, love this man's insight. I will plug away again. Go find him at boxingwriter.co.uk. He's got articles up right now on the return of 55-year-old Nigel Benn, former junior middleweight uh, and middleweight champion uh, back in the in, in the 90s. Uh, Nigel Benn coming back at 55 years of age later this year. He's also written about Triple G. Gennady Golovkin has David Payne. And Alexander Usyk, the former cruiserweight champion, now a heavyweight. Read all those articles at boxingwriter.co.uk. He's a great follow as well on social media, cracking the one-liners about boxing, about movies, about his uh, Nottingham Forest football team, the English Premier League, whatever it is. And I thoroughly enjoyed getting to spend time and have a meal with you. Uh, so now the next invite is you've got to make your way to the United States, you and the family, and, the, and then that, that tourism and that meal is on me to reciprocate David Payne. Well, I look forward to it. Um, listeners can be assured that the last meal was on TJ too, so it would probably be my turn if I ever make that. But um, it was great to get together, and thanks for the plugs as always. And, um, yeah, it was. Uh, it's always good to be on the show. Thanks for the invite. I love uh, getting to chat with David uh, Payne, and we were hanging right there together, having fun in England last weekend, and here we are back on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. David, be well. Thank you. Great to see you in person. Be well, my friend. Take care, TJ. Rolling along as part of the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Reminder again, subscribe wherever you find podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, our friends at Red Circle Podcasting. However you found this show, if you subscribe, it comes automatically to you whenever we have a new one in the preview mode or if it's big enough in the recap mode. And obviously, we're going to talk some about this light heavyweight title fight coming up, the top rank main event that is Friday evening. And our very own Marquise Johns, the lead writer, the purveyor, the overseer of BigFightWeekend.com, is on board with me. He is headed to that fight. And Marquise, we have a special guest as well from the Corner Guys Boxing Podcast. Tom Marriott is here as well. I, I got two for the price of one on the party line here talking a little boxing. Marquise, how are you? Pretty good, TJ, and you are now free to move around the country. <laughs> Thank you. And Tom Marriott, good to have you from the Corner Guys Boxing Podcast joining in with us. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Okay, so Marquise, uh, unfortunately we begin uh, with both guys actually. Marquise, though, first uh, to you, the awful news that, that we suspected, we were hoping for the best, uh, has come about now at the time that we're taping this, that Patrick Day, the junior middleweight from New York, succumbed to a massive head injury after his knockout loss Saturday night, the DeZone Show in Chicago. Uh, Charles Conwell knocked him out in the 10th round of the fight. He never regained consciousness after brain surgery, emergency brain surgery on Saturday night. Just awful. It is, it is the second prominent death in this country this year in a boxing ring. 
Uh, Maxim Dadashev, the Russian junior welterweight, killed in an ESPN show in July in Maryland. So, Marquise, I give you the floor here. You were watching and covering the DAZN show for BigFightWeekend.com. You were all over it and writing about this after it happened, and now the worst possible outcome. So your, your thoughts on what is just, it's, a, it's an awful reminder of how dangerous this sport is, right? It really is, TJ, how awful the sport is without it comes to violence in terms of just un- things that are just uncertain and people going to the ring and, not, and unknown if they were actually going to come out of it. More importantly, the year anniversary of, of this fight card on the zone, mind you, TJ, and get to celebrate this anniversary of the tragic passing of Patrick Day. And the fight itself was, with Day coming from it, it was an cum- accumulation of punches over a long period of time. Not as much as Dadashev had in his fight, but... In the tenth round with with Day, because Day was still functionally, he was beat. He was beaten in the fight. He was knocked down twice. The second knockdown, I thought he was, his legs were kind of weary, but he was still functioning. He was still breathing fine. He was he was good to go. He didn't look like he was lost. For, he was like lost in the ring. And then the tenth round, he was trying to go for the knockout because he was behind on the cards. And then he got caught. And then he fell. It bounced on his head. And then here yeah. we are. And that that was the other thing. The double hit on the canvas. And Tom, I'll bring you in here. Uh, on this uh, day very much beloved you could tell from the outpouring of the last few days not just his promoter Lou DiBella but everybody talking about what a great guy this is this is awful there's no there's no way around it right I mean it's a really sad situation Um, me being from New York when I left New York that's when Patrick first started his career as a pro so I never really had a chance to really meet Patrick but we have a lot of mutual friends um, you know either that grew up with Patrick in the amateur ranks or through sparring with Patrick in his gym or whatever the case may be. And I, I know a lot of times people say this about people that, you know, you know, he's a great guy and this and that, and no one, you know, ever says the truth about somebody when they pass away. But, you know, everyone I know, and they're going to be truthful with me, and I've never heard one person say anything negative about Patrick Day. And he wasn't only a great boxer. He was a great person outside the ring, and it's a loss not just for boxing, but I think for you know New York and just humanity itself that everyone has glowing responses to how he was as a person, and it's just truly a tragic loss all the way across the board. Well said on that. Marquise, you were watching this live. I know you raised a concern. We had the concern around the Dadashev fight, and this is going to be scrutinized. Do you believe that the doctors, the paramedics, that everybody involved acted with the urgency necessary in this instance? We don't know if it would have made any difference. I don't know. After seeing the video, I've seen the highlight of the knockdown and the knockout. I don't know how much of a difference it would have made. My question to you, though, Marquise, is do you believe they did everything as quickly as they could to get him out of the ring, get him the proper care, get him oxygen, all of that, when when minutes are crucial in that situation? What's your read because you were watching this and covering this? With this one, TJ, this, the, the, the people in the, the Illinois Box Commission, the people that are covering that fight, that got him rushed to the hospital quickly, did as best as they possibly could, TJ. The, this was the biggest difference between this one and the Dadashev fight because the Dadashev fight, they were just sitting around and time was just ticking. Like that was he- essentially, if you can find the footage of that fight, because ESPN top rank, obviously, for obvious reasons, have kind of pulled the plug on that fight card as a whole. That was essentially half the card was just getting pe- the, the paramedics out there to the ring and getting Dadashev out to uh, getting, getting care. With this one, no, they were on the spot with this one, but 
It's just that apparently this wasn't enough at the time. And the, and the comparison was Dadashev was even trying to walk out of the ring, right, and collapsed on the way back to the locker room, as I recall, when we were covering that one. In this case, they had the stretcher immediately. And again, it was a different story. Uh, Tom, you can follow up on this, too, because Dadashev was still battling in his fight. They stopped it in between rounds. In this one, it's a, cl- it's a clear knockout, a brutal left hook by Conwell, and the doctors rushed in. And from your standpoint, same question. Did they do everything that they could here as quickly as they could? Is that your, uh, is that your take as well? I'm pretty much in agreement with what Mark. He said, you know, sometimes you just can't stop anything. The Dadashev, there was a lot of delays. As you mentioned, he tried to walk out of the ring. And there was just too much time wasted. And this, it, I think, just the accumulation of the punishment he was taking, his head hitting off the canvas at the end, and also going back, I want to say three and a half, four months prior, the, the Adam is fight. I don't know if I said his last name, right, but he yeah. took a lot of punishment towards the end of that fight. So I, I just think time wise from the doctors, I don't think there was anything they could have done to operate and move in faster. The only thing I can maybe think is if the ref decided to stop at the round prior, but it didn't even look like one of those fights where it had to be stopped where you're like, why are they letting this continue? So overall, I think they did a sufficient job. It was just an unfortunate event. And we also need to think about uh, Charles Conwell here, the man that delivered the punch. Uh, you can tell from his uh, social media postings, he's uh, understandably devastated uh, here. He is the guy that feels responsible right now for killing another man in the ring. Uh, I, I reflect, and Marquise knows this, I'm older than him, I reflect back when Boom Boom Mancini and the famous fight on network TV in the early 80s with Dooku Kim ended up killing a South Korean opponent, and Mancini has talked now, guys, for 35-plus years. It never leaves you. It's with him all the time that that's what happened with he in the ring with another man, with another opponent. Um so it's it's dual tracks here. You feel awful for Day, his loved ones, his family. The same thing for Conwell. We don't know what happens down the road here, but this this goes with him forever uh, in this instance. Any more thoughts on this, Marquise? Just a sad situation, and it is going to bring more eyes, unfortunately, to it because people are concerned with players with, with boxing and safety. And I, people were bringing up, I was watching on social Maya, and they're bringing up the old uh, helmets in terms of safety, headgear. Right. And that, that, that conversation is going to come back up again, which I just don't see that happening in boxing. But prize fighting, because at the end of the day, it's prize fighting. And the, the helmet thing just kind of detracts from a lot of the sport, personally. It's what separates the amateurs from the pros, is the helmet I always fought. It's, it's just a really important situation. I just hope that all things go up, considered that maybe it'll just be more attention to detail with either the precautions or if they can learn from this day situation as fast as they got there with the hospital the hospital care because he was rushed to the hospital immediately after that fight when he was knocked down like he conwell didn't have time to celebrate the knockdown he was already being lifted out on on, on the gurney out out the hospital so Mm. If, if that's one thing, if if if, if, the, if the speed of of them getting to the hospital, getting care, that is as, as along those lines. Hopefully, this will make everything a better place afterwards. And we fully understand it is a dangerous, dangerous sport. Uh, I hearken back to what Tim Bradley was saying uh, as an analyst, the former welterweight champion on the Dadashev fight and after the Dadashev fight. 
that every time you step in there, you are taking a serious risk of serious injury and possible worse. Um, you have to understand that. And he and he would sit his wife down repeatedly, as he said, and explain and say to her, I, you know, I love you and I may not come out of this correctly or the same. This is the reality. It, it is different than other sports where you're looking at uh, mortal danger here. That's And it's another unpleasant reminder of that. Um, okay, so we have another bit of news that we're going to cover um, that involves Errol Spence. And uh, again, our conversation rolls along with Marquise Johns, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. Also on the party line is Tom Marriott. Tom, uh, he does a great job with the Corner Guys a boxing podcast. We'll let you tell him, uh, let him tell us a little more about his podcast as we go along here. So I'm talking with both of these guys about these subjects. So we find out news um, late Wednesday evening involving the car accident in Dallas, Texas a week ago for unified welterweight champion Errol Spence. Uh, the, the video of that single car accident late night, early morning hours in Dallas, uh, a spectacular, horrific looking crash where amazingly Spence was ejected from the vehicle and not seriously hurt. I mean, you talk about miracles. Er- Errol Spence, it's miraculous he was not seriously hurt, if not killed, in the car wreck. Okay, so we have that. Spence has been released from the hospital, and now Dallas authorities, Marquise, are apparently going to charge him with driving under the influence. Tell me more on what we're finding out here uh, as we're taping this podcast. Go ahead. Absolutely, TJ. Uh, Spence is being charged, what Dallas mentioned uh, earlier today, that he's being charged with a Class B misdemeanor of driving under the influence, which is a, a small, a very small fine on his end for driving while drunk. And I'm impressed that they're only giving him a Class B misdemeanor. If you've seen the footage of that, his Ferrari doing that barrel roll, TJ and Tom, I've only seen that in two things. The Batman, The Dark Knight Rises, where <laughs> the car flips over. Right. And the transporter, where he gets out of the car. Yet he's still allowed to tell us about it at some point when now he's out of the hospital. It's incredible. But as you know, guys, at the end of the day, if you have enough coin, you can skate along these things. If it was just me and you here mm. driving under the influence of my car, barrel rolls and nothing happens, I wouldn't be talking to you I guys. I guess on the, this da- the Dallas cops, though, were saying because there was not more property damage, he didn't injure anyone else, that that's why they're going to go with the Class B version of driving under the influence. Uh, Tom, what's your opinion here? Does this change your opinion of Spence, who's got kind of a clean-cut image, a former Olympian, unbeaten fighter, and now we got driving under the influence charges where he, again, it's miraculous he wasn't more seriously hurt. Tom, what's your take? I mean, it doesn't really change my opinion on Spence. <clears throat> Excuse me. I Everyone has done things in their life, their past, that, I mean, I, I know I've, drank and drove before i don't know about you guys but you know everyone's done something in their past where it's worse than this probably i just don't understand now you're a multimillionaire. get an uber or get a personal <laughs> driver give right. me 70k a year and i'll drive you wherever you want to go <laughs> it's not that hard you know I, I don't think any different of spence i just wish that he would use his brain a little bit more and when i first heard about the incident I kind of lean towards DUI just because the time and when I saw right. the footage of the accident, it wasn't like, you know, a normal, I lost control of my car, I hit a pole. I Like Marquis said, this looked like an action film where the car flipped over multiple times. And and at that time of the morning, 
you know, what were you doing at the high rate of speed? And yep. I, the first thought, yeah, I don't want to be negative. I, I thought DUI, but I just hope he really learns from this. And you got to understand that you're in the public eye. You're making means. God forbid he hit somebody and killed somebody. That's right. Then you're looking at uh-huh. a whole different ball game of things. But just get an Uber or get a personal driver. You're a multimillionaire. You can give somebody on the payroll money. I mean, you bought a $500,000 chain after the fight, but you didn't have a nutritionist for the fight. So I, I just think his priorities are a little <laughs> bit out of order outside the ring, where if you can get your outside the ring in order, he can really become you know, a, a, a generational fighter. He has a chance to be. It's not the inside of the ring that's going to hold him back. It's all the bad decision-making pre-fight and outside the ring that could derail his career. Uh, again, um, it, it, there's probably a real reality check moment for him too, where he's sitting back going, I could have, I could have lost my career here. I could have lost my life here. So we'll see how he comes back from it when he comes back from it. We don't know at the time that we're talking on this podcast, how does it affect, if at all, a possible January fight with Danny Garcia? Is that on hold? Is that going to be delayed? Uh, we don't know. And we haven't heard from Errol Spence, but we'll wait to see. If and when we do uh, hear from him on that. All right, let's cheer things up. Let's have some fun. I know Tyson Fury trying to have some fun. The uh, the former undisputed heavyweight champ, uh, Tom Marquise, and I are not big on this whole lineal thing uh, that ESPN keeps pushing about Tyson Fury. But now he's in a wrestling ring, or now it appears, as I was talking with David Payne earlier in this podcast uh, over in England, it appears that Fury is not just going to fool around here and be the wrestling manager or the wrestling referee, but that he may <laughs> actually put tights on, boots on, and actually some wrestling moves here in the WWE. Marquise, what do, what do we make of, of what is definitely silly hype promotion, but at the same time... He may be trying to wrestle a wrestler coming later in the month on pay-per-view. What about it? Absolutely ridiculous, TJ, but what more do you expect out of professional wrestling? Also on this pay-per-view with WWE, because at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. It's all about getting more exposure for Fury. They have Fury facing Braun Strowman. If you, I'm, I'm sure you guys haven't really followed this as often. Unfortunately, I do. <laughs> he is the monster among men, and he's pretty much he's been doing this with, with several people beforehand. The, the last big event that he's done this with actually was this year's WrestleMania. Braun Strowman had, was in a wrestling match, two-on-one handicap match with, wait for this, TJ, you're going to love this, the Saturday Night Live weekend update guys of Michael Che and Colin Jost. So <laughs> he, he won that fight, obviously. So he, he, didn't, he didn't put those guys over. But I think he's going to put Fury over and, this, and Fury's going to win this and, fight. And by the way, this is not a lightweight. This guy is easily three bills uh, that he's fighting. He's one of the one of the bad guys. But, I mean, he looks like he could bench press a Ford F-250 truck if he needed to. <laughs> he's a big dude uh, that Fury's getting in there with uh, in this wrestling pay-per-view in Saudi Arabia, of all places. Before the Joshua Ruiz fight will be held in Saudi Arabia, they're going to have this wrestling pay-per-view at the end of the month. Tom, to you, I don't know if you're a wrestling fan at all. We've just kind of met e- each other. What what do you make? Is, is Fury uh, fooling around and fooling with this possible rematch that he's got looming with Deontay Wilder, risking maybe opening that cut over the eye? Uh, some have raised that concern as well. What do you make of Fury in a wrestling ring for extra pub and extra coin here? I'm, I'm kind of with your line of thinking and a lot of people, whereas I understand they're trying to increase his fan base. So I understand that. But 
wrestling is scripted and you know you have your your screenplay of who does what and everything else but oh it's not real (laughs) marquise we hate to break it to you all these years that you've been watching uh they do have it a bit choreographed yes continue tom sorry Tom. but you know even with that still happening the guys that train and do this for a living you still see injuries often so i just think the risk reward factor i mean how many fans from the wwe are going to tune into fear wilder from this maybe a handful and i don't know what the wwe is paying him but is it really worth it to lose your chance to fight wilder if you know you get thrown the wrong way you lose your balance you fall down you break your arm the fight's delayed the fight's off you know a lot of things can happen so i think there's more risk than reward and i think this is why people on the WWE standpoint, should tune into AEW wrestling because at least they make sense. Ah. <laughs> well, and and uh, you know there are reports out there about Fury making a a ton, a king's ransom of money. I don't know that I buy that he's making ten million or fifteen million over the next couple of months to help them promote. Uh, I think it's more along the lines of maybe a mill. I mean, what's a few million yeah. among friends? It's something like a million or a couple of million dollars. Uh, for him to do this, but is it worth risking the $30, $40, 50000000 million payday on a rematch with Deontay Wilder early next year? I think that's the whole point. So uh, they're not listening to us. He's going to go ahead and wrestle, uh, apparently, in this. Uh, so that will be fascinating if he is actually going to try some wrestling moves, some wrestling holds uh, with Tyson Fury uh, in this uh, in this situation. All right, so we have that as well. Now, Marquise, you are headed to Philadelphia. You're going to be on location for the light heavyweight uh, title fight that ESPN and Top Rank are putting on ESPN, showing it from Philly on Friday night. Give me the breakdown of what we have here uh, because it's it's interesting all the different Russians that have versions of the heavyweight championship. Which one are you going to see? Who's in it? What's the What's the deal here? This one, this Friday, TJ, it's, it's nice to, by the way, to preface this by saying congratulations to ESPN for putting boxing on Friday night and not delaying it on the app or the plus like we usually do with these fights. <laughs> and you know, actually having a halfway decent lead in, I mean, it's college. It's, it's, it's still, TJ, third tier college football that I complain with you about this podcast about all the time. It's Pitt, Syracuse. It's, it's Syracuse and Pitt. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean that, game, that game sucks. But the fight isn't going to suck in Philadelphia with uh, Arthur Bedevieve. Taking on Alexander Gavodzik. One thing about this fight, TJ, I totally forgot to mention when we got on, we got started here. Huge Ukrainian re- uh, following that in Philadelphia for this fight for Gavodzik, who was there last time they fought, when back in on the same card with a uh, Mean Machine, who's fighting in December, where he draw with uh, Ray Robinson. Huge following. So for him, it's, it's another match there. Uh, of course, uh, Better Beef uh, was also fighting last. I want to say that was in May against. Uh, it was on the same card as Gabriel Flores, where everyone came for Gabriel Flores, and then right. uh, Bebe was in the main event, and you would have thought the fight card just started on ESPN+. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, they, those two are fighting as a unification bout, and this bout's huge, and the implications for this are amazing for it, because they, if, if Canelo is, is, is claiming to stay fighting at 175 like he's going to for Kovalev up in the upcoming weeks, the winner of this fight either has the option of unifying their belts with... Uh, Dimitri Bivol, who wants a unification bout, who came out and said when he when he fought this past weekend and beat uh, Lennon Castillo over uh, in a wide margin over 12 rounds this past weekend on that Usyk card, 
Or, like most other boxers, want to follow the Golden Goose in a fight with Canelo Alvarez. We'll see what happens. The interesting thing here, Tom, Tom Marriott with us again, Corner Guys Boxing Podcast, is that all the Russians in the light heavyweight division, it's like in football. This is like the NFC East. You've got the Eagles, you've got the Cowboys, you've got the Redskins, you've got the Giants. It's like pick a Russian or pick a Ukrainian between Kovalev, Bavol, who um, Marquise was mentioning, and also these two guys, uh, Betterbiev and Gavadzik. Uh, it's, it's, it's a stronghold. It's an Eastern Bloc stronghold on the light heavyweight division here. Yeah, it seems to be that way. Since uh, Ward retired, that was our only hope to kind of wrestle the belts away from these guys. Now they've they've taken over 175. Well, the, and we'll fight, yeah. What what do you think about the fight? Go ahead. the The fight itself is really as close to 50 50 as you can get. Uh, when I've talked to people about the fight, you know, certain people have winners or people are leaning to one side or the other, but there's no one that has a, a really good definite opinion on who they think is going to take this one. You know, the nail is the better technical boxer puncher. Bedviev has the power. He's a come forward aggressive fighter. So style wise, those styles clash. Well, it, it's really just, I mean, I can see a scenario where either guy wins by knockout decision. And that's really rare for me to say that usually, you know, even in close fights, you think, all right, one guy's going to win decision. Maybe the other guy stops. This is as close to 50-50 fight as far as who wins and the outcomes that I can think in quite a while. All right. So for the fans that are out there, it's and again, Marquise, it's not on the app. This is on Big ESPN <laughs> Friday night. Uh, it sounds like to me both of you guys are back in this and saying this should be a fairly entertaining fight on Friday evening in the main event late on Friday night going to be a good one tj actually in terms of uh top rank espn cards this is one of the solid ones that they have with main event wise mainly mainly because of, of the implications of the light heavyweight division where top rank has these guys at 175 and they all have the belts and number name i want to throw out as well in the bizarre event that he may be at the event anyway uh zordo ramirez at 175 maybe may want to crack at one of these belts as well depending if he wants to win or we'll, we'll see what happens all right and again the canelo a Kovalev fight coming in about four weeks now on November 2nd. So uh, for Kovalev's WBO belt, we'll see how that one plays out. Uh, I've had a blast talking with both of you about all of this. Tom Marriott, I want you to plug the Corner Guys Boxing Podcast. Tell me more about what you and your partner do and where we can find it, etc. Plug away, please, sir. All right. Well, we're the Corner Guys Boxing Podcast. You can really find us on any streaming site. Of Anchor, Apple, Google, any streaming site, click in Corner Guys Boxing Podcast. You'll find us. Uh, we're a pretty good podcast. We're laid back. We're casual. Uh, just two fans talking the sport. Me and Tim both used to actually work at some capacity in boxing. So we have somewhat of insider ideas and views as well to the sport. I'm on Twitter as well. I like to talk boxing. I put the podcast up on Twitter. The news, you can follow me at T-T-R-A-N-B-X, T-Trambox. That's my Twitter handle. And I'll always follow back, and I just like to talk about the sport of boxing and meet new fans of the sport and things of that nature. So I really had a great time being on the show. And check out my podcast and you know, let me know what anybody out there thinks. 
We like constructive criticism. I love it. The fact that he rolled the red carpet out for us and had Marquise on the podcast uh, is outstanding. The fact that he's still returning your phone call, Marquise, is a bonus. You must have done something <laughs> know, right. right. You must have done something well on the Corner Guys Boxing Podcast. Marquise, any closing things here uh, that you want to say uh, before you head off to Philadelphia and this championship light heavyweight uh, ESPN fight coming? Absolutely. Uh, two thoughts. Uh, one thought uh, this past weekend, uh, the Usyk Witherspoon fight, which mm-hmm. honestly, TJ, you, you, if you didn't watch this card, you didn't miss too much personally. Uh, Usyk got some rounds in. I think everyone's been overthinking about this, saying, is he ready for the, the Wilder, the Furies, the Joshua's? He just wanted to get some rounds in. He, he was injured for a year with a, with a, with a broken arm. So we, we got to see him fight again. That was, what it, that was what it was, for lack of better terms. And Witherspoon was visibly out of gas in the fifth round of that fight. And they, they finally put the towel looked, over on that one. He looked every bit the part of the 38-year-old, out-of-shape, three-day replacement that he was. I mean, that's the, he looked the part, right? I mean, that's what happened the other night. So. <laughs> Yeah, to quote the great uh, former NFL coach Denny Green, we are who we fought they were. And that's exactly what, <laughs> exactly what Weberspoon was. Very nice. Uh, the second thought as well, uh, you can catch me on Twitter as always. I'm sure I'll be harassing lots of important boxing media going to be at this fight, TJ, on Friday. Looking forward to harassing them and getting blocked shortly <laughs> on Twitter at Weak Sauce Radio. <laughs> find me there. Also find the, the, my, my writings and musings at BigFightWeekend.com. All things boxing past, present, future. Looking forward to this fight this weekend. Looking forward to the fights next weekend. It's fight season, TJ. All the, all the good ones coming down the pike. And uh, also, it was just broken that Yurkis Gamboa, uh, courtesy of Coppinger, uh, Yurkis Gamboa is taking on Javante Davis. Reportedly in Atlanta the end of year in December. We'll see how that works out Ooh. more. More, more favorable opposition for Davis. Somehow, as he up in class. somehow, I think that might be a subject and something being written about soon on BigFightWeekend.com. They can check out the site. I help you contribute there. He's the main guy. Uh, we write about all things. Unfortunately, we've had to write about a death in the ring and about Earl Spence's now legal troubles with his car wreck, or we lighten it up with Tyson Fury in a wrestling ring, or this light <laughs> heavyweight showdown, whatever it is, and uh, we we love all of the uh, ins and outs of the, as you say, the current, but even we go into the past with some of the great fights on anniversaries and fighters and fights from in the past, too, on BigFightWeekend.com. Had a blast here. Tom Marriott, thank you for hopping on board uh, with us here as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Good luck with your Corner Guys boxing podcast. We appreciate your time and your willingness and your insight. Thanks, Adam. It was a pleasure. Marquise, do well, be well in Philadelphia. They do know you're coming in the city of Brotherly Shove, right? You're you're coming like a tornado uh, for this light heavyweight title fight. They better look out, right? I was advised not to dress as Santa Claus for obvious reasons. I won't do that, but I will be up there this weekend for the boxing events. Looking forward, TJ, by the way, you know, us being from Tampa Bay and it's still being in the 80s down here. The high of 42 Woo! Friday night. Looking forward to that. Bring a coat. Bring several layers and a coat for that. Marquise, be well. We look forward to your coverage later in the week, no matter when they're hearing the podcast here, pre-fight or post-fight, around the Better Biev and Gavadzik light heavyweight title fight that will be on ESPN Friday night. Guys, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, DJ. Thank you. 
So there we go. My thanks again to Marquise and Tom Marriott hanging out with me and covering all of the different news, including the breaking news on Errol Spence. As I said back earlier in the podcast, what's going to happen with that proposed January fight, not official yet, with Danny Garcia for the World Welterweight Championship, the unified uh, belts that Spence holds, DWI charges pending. How will that be resolved? When will we see and hear from him? Uh, we wait to see on that. And again, this light heavyweight showdown Friday night, ESPN is the most significant fight this weekend. Again, the fights that I was talking about with David in England coming in a couple of weekends. Uh, look forward to those, including Prograce and Taylor Jr. Welterweight showdown, as well as Derek Chisora and David Price on the undercard in a heavyweight battle at the O2 Arena in London. Uh, my thanks to David uh, Payne, the boxing writer, uh, boxingwriter.co.uk. Follow him on Twitter at the boxing writer. Always uh, has the quips. Big fight fan. Uh, he's constantly blogging on his site, writing on his site about fights and uh, tweeting about them as well. So again, we thank David for being on the podcast. Marquise Johns at Weak Sauce Radio uh, as well. Marquise will be tweeting from in and around the light heavyweight showdown. Better be Ev Gavadzik. Uh, ESPN Friday night uh, through top rank boxing and on big ESPN not on the app not on ESPN plus uh, check into it watch that showdown on Friday night uh, and we also thank Tom Marriott and the, and the boxing corner uh, uh, podcast guys um, the uh, Corner Boxing Podcast, guys, if I got that straight there. Go check out their podcast, and we thank Tom uh, for being part of it with us uh, here as uh, he helped us go over all the news of the week and, and help preview that light heavyweight unification title fight. That'll do it for this edition of the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. A reminder, subscribe. It comes to you automatically whenever we have a new episode. If you subscribe, go to iTunes and search for Big Fight Weekend. The same with Spotify, uh, likewise, Stitcher, Google Podcast. Podcasts come automatically to your phone, to your iPad, to your device if you subscribe at Big Fight Weekend and read up on the site. All day, every day in the preview mode, the recap mode, historical pieces, much more. BigFightWeekend.com is the website. I'm TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us here on the podcast. Let's see what happens with this light heavyweight title fight. Much more on the way with bigger fights coming in November and in December. We'll be here for you on Big Fight Weekend. Bye.